Judges 16, 21 and 22. Then the Philistines took him, Samson, and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, everyone say however. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The Lord just began to speak to me this week about our church. This has been a constant thing. The Lord's been like, just, it's like a megaphone in my ear that he keeps telling me. You know, this week we have new signs coming in, I believe. And the, yeah, amen. Amen. So those are coming in. And so I've been looking at those and where our church is currently growing and God is pouring out his spirit and we're, we're prospering and God's blessing us. And it's all for the end result of more more missionaries going out, more church planners, more, more mission trips, more, more souls being reached. And, and God's got us on this thing of like, we got to be people of faith if we're going to be gospel preachers. And we thought we knew how to preach the gospel, but he's like, but you're so weak on faith. And now we're going to, at the end of this year, we're going to say, God, thank you that we're strong in faith. It's going to be our testimony. At the end of this year in December, you're going to say, I believe God for things now that I never thought I could have believed him for. And you're going to say, I am now currently seeing and having and touching the things I never thought. I thought this was a story kind of stuff that people talked about. You're going to see Hebrews chapter 11. It'll be like your name's written in there. I'm telling you, you're going to be the sacrificial people of faith. That you're going to be living on faith. You'll have a promise that you could have worked your whole life for and you've never seen it. And this year, you're going to step into the faith realm. You're going to cross that Jordan. I'm, I'm telling you, it's something that hit me. Me and my wife keep talking about the priest stood with the ark on their shoulders in the midst of the dry ground as the people crossed over. And the Lord told us a few weeks ago, like, we'll just, we're just going to stand there until we get the church over. So we get out of that wilderness into the faith realm. We're, we're just willing to stand there. But I, I read the rest of that chapter the other day. And I caught something I hadn't seen before. And, and it said, as the priest stood in, in, on dry ground, I love it. And they're, they're waiting for, you know, a few million people to cross over, hundreds of thousands, whatever it was. And this could be all day they're holding this thing. But it said this. It said, and all the people crossed over quickly. We don't have, we don't have to wait 12 months to step our whole church into the faith realm. We might as well just do it today. Just everyone say, you know what? So you don't have to talk to me twice. I've got it, Lord. I'm in. Whatever your word says is true, and I believe it, and I'm speaking it, and I'm having it, I believe it. That's it. It's settled. It's settled, God. Your word's true. That's it. You know, that's all faith is. That's all it is. It's just saying your word's true, and I believe it. I'm not saying it up here. I'm saying it like, no, it's real. I have it. I have it. Hallelujah. Well, I, the Lord keeps saying this to me as we're, planning this year and, and God's expanding us and things are expanding us to the right and to the left you know and we have those new signs coming I said Lord why do we just spend all that money on signs when we're not even going to be here long we're, we're going we're gonna to be growing this church we won't have room like why I'm like God why would we have just why would we just put out those thousands it's, it's expensive guys I mean it's everybody wants to get a hundred bucks from you when you're building these things everybody wants it and so we're giving a hundred here and a hundred here a thousand here a thousand here and so all this money I said Lord why would we spend all that money he said those signs aren't those aren't point isn't here. He goes, those signs, a new declaration, they're a sign of where you're going. They're not a sign of where you're staying. He goes, this city, he goes, this city, this city needs to know you're still alive. He said, there's people out there, they think you're dead. He goes, you need to make a declaration with every single thing you do this year. Everything needs to be in such high excellence as if it's 2,000, 4,000, 10,000 people. Everything you do has to be on such a level that you're living right now what you know is coming. He said, those signs are not a sign for this building. I don't care. He goes, I don't care if they're there six months. He goes, I don't care if you're only in here six more days after that. Let the whole world know that you're still alive. 
And as I was reading the story of Samson, the Lord just kept having me reread it and reread it and reread it from beginning to end. How he was born to a family. A man named Manoah was his father. Angel of the Lord appeared to his wife in the field, said, You're going to have a child. He's going to be a Nazarite from the day he's born. The power of God begins to move on him. Uh, as a young man, the Spirit of God would descend upon him. God would give him supernatural strength. He, ra- he raises his life as a, as a Nazarite, his long hair. His power wasn't in the hair, by the way, if you guys didn't know that. The power was in the vow. In the promise that he would touch no dead thing, that he wouldn't drink the, the, the fruit of the vine, he, w- he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be a wine drinker, he, w- he, w- he, wouldn't, he had appearance that stood him, he, he stood out among people. It was the vow before God that gave him the strength. Because every time he did anything great, it said the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and then he. And so God kept talking to me about this story all week, and I'm like, I love that story, Lord. I don't think I ever preach on this story. I love that story. And everyone always wants to focus on his problems, that, that wicked woman, Delilah. But the Lord said, no, I, wanna, I want you to focus on your church, and I want you to focus on Samson, and I want you to tell your church that their end is going to be greater than the beginning. That what we're about to do is greater than anything we've ever thought we would do. And while Samson's made mistakes, we have too. And God said, but I can do more at the end if you'll let me. If you'll believe me now, we can, I can give you a restart like never before. And you'll accomplish now in this age, in this hour, more than you ever thought you were going to do back then. And so I just want to focus on six things that were powerful at the end of his life and throughout his life. Number one, in in Judges 6, 21, 22, I want to tell you this. We find Samson, he's bound up. He's in fetters. He has chains on him. He's a, he's a prisoner because he, he's told this woman too much information. She, she, she bothered him enough where he said he, what he shouldn't have said, and he let the secret of God out. But he's bound up because of a mistake. He's lost his vision. They've gouged out his eyes. He can't see. He's laboring in circles. He's a grinder at the mill. So all day long, this mighty man of God that's anointed is doing circles. And I'm telling you, there's people in this church, and this church itself has felt like at times we're a a man that was, that has no vision, and we feel like we're just doing the same circles over and over. And many of you in this room, you're like, I know I was called by God, but I just feel like I'm doing circles. I'm telling you, there's about 40 more people that should be here today because they need this. But you know why they're not here? They do so many circles, they've decided just to sit down. You fail when you quit. And so he is, he's bound up, he has no vision, he's laboring in circles, and he's become a mockery. They find him in this, in this big party of tens of thousands of his enemies, and they've got him in chains, and he has no eyes, and he's been doing circles every day, and he's doing the same thing over and over. This mighty man of God has become a joke to them. And you know, Deliverance Bible Church, to a lot of people, when you bring it up to them, they used to be faithful here. They used to be givers. They used to be preachers of the gospel. They used to be faithful prayer people. They used to be the people counseling you at the altar. And now, because of things in their lives they didn't like, or because of vision we had or didn't have, or because things were exciting or not exciting enough, they left. Now they stand. You say our name. They're like, oh, Deliverance Bible Church. And they'll say things like this. Isn't that place dead? No, we're not dead. They'll say, do you still go there? Are you serious? you still go there? are you really serving at that place? Are you kidding me? Why? Because they've heard a report that's not true. They heard that, we're, that we've been stuck and that we lost our vision. And we're just doing that same old Bible thing we've been doing for all those years. And you know, sometimes you feel like you want to believe that. And you almost, you almost, you almost give in. And I think there's been times over the last 10 years we've almost given in. In some ways, I think we have at points. God's been so gracious to put us back on the right point. I'm 
I mean, there's been some times where I almost said some things that God wasn't saying. I mean, he, he's good about grabbing my tongue. I'm telling you, we have a good deal. God, if that's not you, just kill me or shut me up right before I'm about to say it. And I'm actually okay with either one, okay? But I want to give you six things about Samson that are powerful, and I think they're powerful about you and also our church, and I'll be quick. Number one, Samson was called of God, and he was given an assignment. He was called from the womb, and he was given an assignment. He would be a Nazarite, and the assignment was this, and he will begin to deliver his people from their enemies. He grew up, just like many of you, you grew up with a mother or father saying, God has called you to great things. Or maybe it was a pastor that looked at you while everyone kicked you to the side. You came in this place, or you come in another place. And we said, no, 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 you're going to go to nations. You're called of God. You're anointed to preach the gospel. You will do greater things than any generation your family's ever done. God will be pleased with you because you'll be a servant that grabs hold of him and never lets him go. You're going to be a man or a woman of the word. You have great things in you, and God's going to accomplish great things through you. Samson was a man, he was called of God, and he had an assignment. His assignment from day one was, you're going to begin the deliverance of our people. They were in bondage, they were forgotten, they had been in that place for so many years, up to 70 years at this point alone, because of their sin. And every day, Manoah is looking at his boy, and he's like, an angel of God came to me, boy, and told me that you're going to grow up and be a man of God, you better do it. All our people are leaning on you. You're going to do it. God has called you. You have an assignment. Everyone else is doing what they want. You have an assignment. There's something powerful when someone around you keeps you in line. Well, everyone else was complaining. Manoah and his wife are sitting back going, but one day our boy's going to be a man. And when he's fully grown, he's going to do what that angel told us he was going to do. Number two, Samson was called to be separate. Paul the Apostle, in Romans chapter 1, he said, Paul, an apostle of God, separated out for the gospel. Sanctified. Set apart. Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you, and I sanctified you. I set you apart. While there were 100,000 babies, I said, that one. That one's going to be a prophet to the nations. That one's going to pull down nations and build up kingdoms. That one. And I'm telling you, there's people in this room, you, you, you haven't been called to live like everybody else. Well, everyone else is doing their thing, and everyone's kind of faithful, and everyone does what they want and still serves God, and, and they're still, you know, God knows their hearts, and, and they can watch that, and, and what's your problem anyways, and, and why are you so bent on not listening to that, not doing that? I mean, who do you think you are? I mean, why do you think you're, and in your heart you're thinking, because God told me not to. Well, why did he tell you not to? Because you're called of God, and you have an assignment. Don't you think little Samson with that hair growing down his backside, every once in a while I was like, Mom. It's hot outside, can you cut it? No. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. While his friends were going to a party, and you, if you read the scriptures, you got to know, Samson went to parties. Everybody got wasted, except him. Except him. He's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not supposed to do that like you guys do that. At his own, his own marriage, they had a huge week-long party while everyone just wailed on the wine. And here's Samson, the Nazarite, going, not me. I've been called to be separate. Well, what's wrong with you, Samson? Nothing wrong with me. Well, what are you trying to say about us? I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just telling you, I have an assignment that's not worth blowing right now. This church has an assignment. It's not worth blowing. We've been called to nations, and we can't miss a single one. Number three, Samson had an anointing from God. The Spirit of God would come upon Samson. I'm telling you, there, there's been times in our lives as a church, as pastors, as, as, as in your life, where you thought everything was over. 
you thought it, it looked so bad, and then the anointing came on you again. And you suddenly could do it again. You suddenly, you walked out and you were like, ah, oh, that's why I live. That's it. There's sometimes I feel like the whole world's against me. I feel like the devil's got my number on every side. And then sometimes I'll walk in here and I'll preach and there'll be that Sunday. It'll be, that, it'll be the one. And I'll walk out and I'll be like, I can do this. I can keep on doing this. I can keep on doing this. I walk out and I'm like, I don't care who heard it or who didn't. I'm telling you, I have what God called me to do. It's in me and it's going to come out when God wants it. And so number four, let me just mess you up. Remember he was a Nazarite? And remember he, he married that, his second wife? His first wife got given away. That's why he burned the fields. So he finds this other woman, this wicked, nasty woman, Delilah. And, and he, he goes and hangs out with her, and she's like, this man's so awesome, but, but you know, she's not trustworthy. So he likes her, and she likes him, but man, she'll do anything for a dollar. Every time I read this story, I always, I always see this in our current generation you know, a man will give his last dollar for a moment of immorality. A woman will give her last bit of morality for a dollar. Now, I know that's a big judgment, but why do you think we have such a huge industry called pornography? Because one side's interested? No, because both sides are, are, are giving themselves over to either a dollar or to satisfaction. And you know, Samson, he liked women. That was his problem. But Delilah, she liked money. That was her problem. And so the people, her people come to her and said, I, I, we see you've been hanging out with Samson. I tell you what, we'll give you all this cash if you'll find out what makes him tick, what makes him strong, what's the deal. So over and over, she'd ask him. And he'd say, oh, it's this, it's that. It's this. And he'd just make up some story because he's like, get out of my hair, woman. You know. And then one night, you guys are slow, but you got it, okay. It was everywhere, man. He was... It, he was, the, he was the male version of Rapunzel, I bet, at this point, so. <laughs> and so Samson, one night, she's just bothered him so much, and he can't take it anymore. He says his heart was vexed. He's like, kid, please stop asking me. I can't take it anymore. And he says, okay, fine. You want to know what the secret of my strength is? My hair, which it wasn't his hair. It was the vow to not cut the hair, which was the vow of the Nazarite. And so she cuts his hair. She has some men come in, and they cut his hair. And that's how he finds himself in prison. But I want to tell you something pretty powerful about Samson. This is number four. Samson never broke his vow. That's why the Lord never forgot him. He didn't quit. Did you realize he didn't cut his hair? He didn't tell her to cut his hair. He didn't think they would cut his hair. He never planned on cutting his hair. He never planned on drinking a little bit of wine while everyone else was having a party. He never planned on touching something that was filled with death like he wasn't supposed to. He was not planning that. This is what came upon him, and this is why God didn't forget him. But let me tell you, there, he made a big mistake, but he never broke the vow. Some of you, you thought you lost it all. God's just looking and saying, but how about you just don't break the vow? I know you messed up. I know, you're, I know you got yourself in all kind of tangled stuff, but I'm telling you, did you break the vow? Well, no, Lord, I still, I feel, I'm still committed. I'm still committed. Lord, I still want to do the thing you told me to do. There's something about having a passionate pursuit about what God said about you. This is why I'm calling you into this realm of believing the word, not your situation. Because if you can live in the place of I believe the word instead of how I feel, you will never let go of what God says to you. It's not what I feel. It's not what you said. It's not what I said. It's not what I did or didn't do or should have done or would have done if I could do it again. It's that I still believe what he said about me. I still believe what he says about us. I still believe the promise. I still believe what he, I still believe him. Number five, Samson lost his eyes, but he never lost his vision. 
The Word of God says we don't live by sight. We live by faith. People driving up and down the road, and they're like, oh, that church, they're so dead. I'm telling you, we might have lost our eyes for a while, but we didn't lose our vision. I'm not wavering on what God told me to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. Number six, and lastly, I love this. Ah, When everyone thought he was finished, Samson did more at the end than at his beginning. says that while he was grinding that mill with no eyes. When you're not using these, these, these eyes right here, you sure do think a lot in the spirit. And he's just every day just like, I'm telling, he's like, I'm not going to die here. I'm not gonna, he goes, I didn't finish the cause. I didn't finish what God told me. If your assignment isn't finished, don't you dare die yet. Don't you be done yet. Whatever God said, if he told you to go to Africa and open orphanages or whatever it is, if you haven't done it, you're not dead. You're not done yet. Don't die yet. Are you hearing me? Like whatever he said, it still stands. The only problem is you're not sure if you believe it anymore. But while he was grinding that mill, doing some kind of lowly job wrapped up in chains, he was like, man, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I, I, I don't receive this. No, I, I refuse this. There's a day where I will not be holding this from morning till night anymore. And when that day comes, you better watch out, I'm going to roar. In this place, the Lord remembers him, it says, and his hair begins to grow. God remembers the vow that he never broke. Samson's remember, he remembers the God that never forsook him. And they begin to just pair up again around that mill. And one night in the midst of all this, Philistines, they think they've won. They, they're like, well, they say, I'll tell you what to do. They have a few thousand people in there, tens of thousands. And they say, uh, let's bring Samson out. Let's show everybody what we did. Let's bring, let's mock this kid. Let's, let's bring, he thought he was somebody. Remember when he used to say that God was going to take us out by his bare hands? Are you kidding me? Look at this child. And they even go and have a little bitty boy come and bring him in. That's how weak they wanted him to look. This way, Samson. He comes in, he's got chains on his, his arms are all wrecked because he's been on that mill every day. No eyes, and the place is roaring with laughter. And they say, put, put him up in front of everybody. And they said, let him entertain us. And as they ate and they drank in a big coliseum with tens of thousands of people drinking and getting drunk and laughing, and they're all laughing and mocking this man of God because they say his day is done, it's over, he's been conquered, he's, he's dead and buried, but he might as well give up now. Samson whispers something to the little boy. He says, son, can you just lead me to where a couple of the pillars are in this place? And the boy says, yeah, sure. He says, I love this. He goes, just, just put my hands, just put my hands on the pillars. And this little boy puts his hands on the pillars. And I'm telling you right now in the spirit, I'm saying, God, you just put my hands on the pillars again. Everyone thinks we're done, but we'll do more now in this hour than the devil ever thought we were capable of for the last 13 years. Some of you think it's over. I'm telling you, just ask the Lord. Lord, I've been, I, I've been believing you again, Lord. Just tapping my, you know, God, I just want to, I'm believing again. I wasn't acting in much faith. God, I'm back in faith. And I know I look like a mess, but God, if you'll just give me some pillars to put my hands on. I will accomplish now more in this side of my life than I ever did on the other side. All things are possible for him who believes. 
This is your hour. I'm telling you. And he puts his hands on those pillars. Ow! He puts them on those pillars. And he just says, Lord, I'm just going to be a sacrifice before you right now. Romans chapter 12, we're called to be living sacrifices. We're just going to die in the place of faith and see God do great things. And says, while all the people are mocking him, this man who had been forgotten that nobody thought had anything left, he just gave one final push. And the entire building from one end to another began to crumble. Said there were so many people in this room, in this place, in this, this palace, coliseum of sorts. There were so many when the roof began to cave in. Tens of thousands of people. And it said he killed everybody in the room, including himself. And it said Samson did more at the end of his life, that he killed more of God's enemies in that moment than he had in his entire lifetime put together. He was willing to give everything for the call of God in his life. I'm telling you as your pastor, I'm willing to give everything for the call. This church, we're not dead. We're not done. We, we might look like a mess, but we haven't lost our vision. I'm telling you, it might be the most minuscule thing this next week when they put these nice little signs up, you know. Like, it's like, it sounds so silly, right? But do you know what a sign is? I mean, think about it. A sign points to something greater. Now, we're not the greater. It's, it's the hand of God. I, I'm going to just put it into prophetic, write it down mode right now. People are going to come here in the next few months. They're going to say, I thought you guys were dead. They're going to say, I thought you guys were finished. I didn't, even, I didn't even know this place was still here. And we'll say, well, we never changed. How about you come back and see God move again? Say, it's not too late. Why don't you do more in the end than you did in the beginning? Why don't we just all partner together and accomplish more in this hour? Hallelujah. We'll just say to the Lord, say, Lord, just put me between the pillars. This is our season of such breakthrough. Are you hearing me? God's remembering the vow on your life. He's remembering the things you said to him in the secret place when no one was listening and he began to run nations and people groups through your mind and, and you were like, God, how can it be? And he said, just believe me. And you said, then I believe you. And you were on your knees crying out for greater things that were greater than you, that were greater than anything you'd ever seen done before. He's saying, why don't you just believe me? Now put those hands on the pillars. Let's push again. Let's do more in this hour than you've ever done before. Let's do this. Redeem the time. That's your hour. Come on. There's an alarm clock going off in the spirit saying, redeem the time, redeem the time, over and over. It's not a prayer, it's a command. God is saying, make up right now for what was lost. Do more now than you ever thought was possible before. While the devil thought he got you, do more right now to damage his kingdom than you ever thought possible. Let's do more now. Let's accomplish more now. Let's win more souls now. Hebrews 10, 35. I like this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, so now faith is. Now, 
We're not the ones that draw back. We're not the ones that shrink back to be destroyed. We're the ones that believe. Why? Because our faith is now. Our faith is now. We are in the faith realm now. Maybe last year we were talking about all we have is a cake of bread and a little glass of water. No, this year we're in the faith realm. We know it's not, it's not ever going to run out. We're not in the wilderness asking where's our meat. We're in the promised land. We crossed over quickly today. We stepped out of doubt talking. We're into faith talking. We're into believing God. We're not into wavering anymore. All those other people can draw back. We don't draw back. Someone on your road, they get to draw back. We're not drawing back. If you want to, you can, but I'm not going to. We still win, hallelujah. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you, God, for the promises of God over this house, over this church. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful, 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 God. You are faithful to your word. You are yes and amen, God. You are the great amen. Father, what you say, you mean what you mean. You say we hold fast, God. We hold fast in this hour. We're not done yet, Lord. We're not dead yet. We're not rolling over to give up, God. We believe you again. We believe you again. We hold fast to you again, God. Thank you for the promise. Thank you, mighty God. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Grab two or three people and just say, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. Just tell them, you just got started. You just got started. You're going to do more in this hour than you ever had before. You're going to do more in this hour than ever before. You're going to do more in this hour than ever before.